episode 33 of the Tactical Breakdown podcast. Today we're talking an innovative new program that's making a massive dent in firearms-related crime in Kansas. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Tactical Breakdown. A podcast for law enforcement, military, and emergency response professionals. Stand by. Where we help you bridge the gap and talk training, tactics, and leadership with the best subject matter experts in the world. Here is your host, Adam Kanakin. All right, this is episode 33 of the Tactical Breakdown Podcast. I am your host, Adam Kanakin, and welcome back. If you are new to the show, thank you for being here. Welcome. This is the podcast if you are in law enforcement and you're an instructor or trainer or just trying to get some more useful, actionable information out of a podcast. So today, I'm excited because I got to do another uh, another episode where I had two officers on to speak with. And today I had Paul Cruz and Captain Clay Germany. Now, this was an interesting episode because I was hooked up with Paul through our connections with the Smile Conference, which is taking place in June in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, hopefully that's still on. We don't know what's going on with the pandemic right now, but that's to be determined. But this episode, we talked real specifically about a program that's innovative that started out of Wichita, Kansas called Operation Save a Casing. What is Operation Save a Casing? Well, it's essentially a partnership program between the law enforcement agencies at a local, state, and federal level to combat the firearms-related crime in the area. And we're going to get right into it with these two guys and talk all about it. But before we do that, I just want to let everybody know and remind everybody that the podcast cannot go on without your support. So if you are you know, listening to this and you haven't already subscribed, please Take the second, subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate it, and it's going to help us grow and continue bringing you actionable, useful content day in and day out. And uh, if you're listening to this and you're still stuck uh, indoors and you're isolated and quarantined due to the COVID-19 pandemic, stay strong. We're going to get through this together and uh, make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones and that you're putting your mental health first because it's very important. We're all going through a lot of stuff, but you've got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself too. So um, if nobody told you that yet, I'm doing it right now. All right, let's jump into this episode with Paul Cruz and Captain Clay Germany. Here we go. All right, we have another special episode. We have two members of our esteemed law enforcement community Officer Paul Cruz and Captain Clay Germany out of Wichita. Boys, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having thank us. You. Thank you. So really exciting. I mean, Paul, you and I got in touch through our friends at Smile Conference. Now, both of us are going to be down at Smile Conference uh, the 15th to 19th of June in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, and that conference is, is mainly for social media and law enforcement and, and use of the internet and all those tools that are now coming into fruition. Uh, for law enforcement to use. And it's one of the best places for them to get people to get that kind of information. So I'm excited that you and I are going to get a chance to sit down, maybe share a drink uh, and talk shop down there, man. That should be fun. You know, it's going to be a great time. Um, first of all, thank you for having us on your show and really uh, giving us this opportunity to yeah, be able to speak to your, um, to all the podcasters that are going to be listening 
uh, in reference to this. And you're right, you know, Smile Conference is really taking the lead in regards to law enforcement and the uh, type of training and really transcending um, setting for law enforcement in regards to how to best practices and use of social media. Uh, it's really helped our agency quite a bit. It's helped us grow. Uh, part of the reason that we are seeing the success is because of all the tools and what we've learned from Smile, we've actually been able to bring back, uh, implement those best practices and find the success that we have thus far with some of this crime prevention and this specific unique program that we launched that, you know, as we get further into the discussion, you'll see it, it can, uh, it can be a challenge and it has been a challenge, but we find, we have found a lot of success. Yeah. Let's jump right into that. So for people listening to this podcast, you guys started, I, I, I think you were the first ones to do it. Am I right? It's, and, and what it is, it's called Operation Save a Casing. And, um, and so I'm not going to do it a disservice by, uh, by trying to explain what it is. I'm going to let one of you guys uh, take the lead. Explain what the Operation Save a Casing is from, from an um, overview, and then we'll, we'll jump into to some of the minutiae of it. So uh, if somebody can take uh, a stab at explaining what that program is all about. Absolutely. You know, Operation Save a Casing is very simple. Um, it's a simple concept, but if you don't understand or if you don't really listen to what our message is, people tend to have a, a reaction to it. But essentially what we're asking people to do is when you go to the firearm range, we're asking, it's a program where we're basically asking the community to save two spent casings. That means when you go to the firearms range, you fire your gun twice, you pick up those two spent casings. We're asking the public to simply store that in a bag, envelope, Ziploc bag, whatever you want to use. Put the gun information and store it separate from where you store your firearms. Why? Well, because in, in case they're ever stolen. And we don't want the public to do anything. We don't want those casings up front. We're hoping that you never have to turn them in. But if your gun is stolen, you have the option of turning those two spent casings into law enforcement with your police report. What that does is that we are now the city of Wichita. Uh, Wichita Police Department is a NIBIN hub. NIBIN is uh, basically your fingerprints for guns, and it helps us do multiple things. One, we can track the gun if it's used in multiple crimes. That then helps us put um, potentially more charges on the suspect. Uh, it also helps us identify who the gun owner is, if even if the serial numbers were to, were to be etched off. Now, depending on the circumstances, Obviously, our goal, too, is to get your gun back uh, and identify the owner. So really, that's the most simplistic way that I can explain it in a just synopsis of what this program's about. Um, and and as, as you can tell, a lot of people are very passionate about their Second Amendment, and we want to make sure we support that, as well as um, in regards to their guns. So, uh, But again, this is the one program where we're going to ask you to do nothing unless, um, in regards to turning in those casings, unless your gun is stolen. Yeah, some, some really important points to unpack here in this. And I think to give some context, especially for listeners that are in a different state or even in a different country. So um, the first thing being, like you said, this isn't, this isn't a program where it comes down to you want civilians to register their firearms or register their casings. This is simply a, you want them to, to take the casings from the range of themselves, hold it onto themselves. And in the event that their firearm is stolen, it's a way for the police to track where that firearm came from and potentially get it back to you. So it's not a, it's not necessarily a preemptive measure. It's more so that once it is stolen, then you can go to the police and say, Hey, my firearm was stolen. Here's the casings. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's pretty. That's correct. And the other thing, and the other reason is because people, at least for the city of Wichita, we destroy about 400 guns simply because we can't identify who the owner is. Um, so it's just another measure to ensure that we can get some of these guns back. But it also helps us in regards to the law enforcement side. And I know we'll get deeper into that, um, but it really does help. But And this is a an initiative that was started through a grant uh, that came about that was awarded to the Wichita Police Department. And so we have multiple partnerships in regards to this overall grant, which is a bigger picture of just Operation Tavication. But for what we're going to be speaking on today is just the program. And again, you're right. It's a volunteer program. You don't, you have to hold, all we're asking you to do is hold on to those spent casings and you don't turn them in unless you're going to stolen. It's, it's probably really interesting as well for, I mean, for, for me, for example, being up here in Canada, um, we don't have the prevalence of firearms that you, you do obviously do in the United States. We don't have open carry anywhere. Um, and so, and a lot of people listening to this, if they're in other Commonwealth countries and things like that, they're all in the, in the same boat. And it's, it's, it was shocking to me when, when you and I first spoke, um, when you talked about the statistics of how many firearms are stolen, um, from both homes and vehicles and the amount that are used in crimes, um, in any given year. Can, can one of you speak to kind of the statistics as to where you guys were before this program rolled out? Well, uh, this is Captain Clay Germany. Uh, I'm actually a commander over our property crimes uh, investigation units. Um, and uh, what we've seen was an uptick in uh, weapons being stolen. Uh, we, we had saw the uptick as far as weapons being stolen out of homes, doing burglaries and stuff. But since uh, the laws have changed, we've we've noticed that, in, uh, that uptick coming from... Uh, weapons being stolen out of vehicles because now with it being an open and carry state uh you're able to basically take your weapon any place you go unless it's posted that you're not able to bring it into a business or something so if you have your weapon on you and, you, and you're not able to take it into a, a business more than likely what you do is you go and take it and place it back in your vehicle and we've seen that uptick of uh of that uh uh weapons being stolen out of vehicles and from that, with us developing this program, we were able to put it out over the social media and through some uh, public service announcements and able to give information out about the rise of that and how to protect the, themselves from becoming victims of a, of a burglary of such uh, from their vehicles. Uh, we then started to see a decrease uh, with, with just the information being able to go out over social media and over uh, some some of the TV uh, media, uh, we were able to then start to see a decline in that. Uh, but I think the most important thing is to be able to get that information out uh, in, a, in a variety of ways where people can hear it and see it and understand it. And the other thing that I'll add to that is as far as numbers, at one point we were upwards of more than 1,400 um, guns that were being stolen per year. So let me say that again, that's 14, over 1,400 guns per year that were either being taken out of homes, out of uh, cars, uh, and it really became a problem. And the other thing is that we saw also uh, an uptick in crime uh, in a very specific category and as well as the use of guns in crime. So we knew that there was a problem. We knew that there was a, this was affecting our community and we needed to do something about it. So. When we launched this program after receiving the grant, uh, we, we saw an immediate decrease 
and the number of guns being stolen, we saw an immediate 16% decrease, I mean, to the day. The minute we announced it to the media, we, we launched the social media campaign, uh, we saw a 16% decrease um, to the day, and it's maintained ever since, and it's actually gone up to 18% now, uh, now that the program's been going on for more than a year. Do you think that initial and immediate decline was due to the fact that these would-be um, criminals, the people that would be stealing the firearms, they realized that there may be a way to track um, the fact that they've actually taken the firearm? Do you think that was the initial reason or do you think it was because that it was more of an awareness campaign for gun owners to know that hey maybe i should be more cognizant of what i'm doing with my firearm you know i think it's a combination of both um i i know that at least from the pio perspective and and educating the public i know this had a tremendous impact not only because of the education portion but because of the recent incidents that happened also uh just before that so uh, a year before, we had one of uh, a local sheriff deputy that was shot and killed with the stolen, stolen gun. And we had one of our own officers that was in a shootout in his own home uh, with the suspect with the stolen gun. Um, his family was in the other room and he's in the hallway uh, shooting it out with the suspect. So we knew that um, the community was listening. So we came when we came to the community with the solution and a program, I think it immediately resonated with the community. And I think it's a combination of also sending a strong message to the criminals that uh, there's going to be new technology and that we have partners in place, not just local, but uh, on a federal level as well. And, and from that, you know, when we became a Nibin hook, which is the... Uh, um, the National Integrated Ballistic Information Network is what NIBIN stands for. It allowed us the opportunity and the technology in order to uh, gather uh, evidence and, and place it into uh, this machine, which then images the uh, casing, which then sends it off to a national uh, uh, database, which is gathering information nationally, and then they're able to link up uh, possibly some of these crime scenes and, and to show us uh, who, who could possibly be involved or if there are scenes that are connected uh, maybe to one weapon or to several weapons. Uh, so with that technology being out there and us being able to uh, uh, get that information out to the citizens and knowing that it is available, yes, that could be part of the reason why uh, people are starting to understand that we're able to link some of these uh, crime scenes together. Adam, are you familiar with Nibin? You know, it's it's really interesting. I did take a look into it. Now, it, please correct me if I'm wrong, but that's it's it's a federal database. Um, and is it ATF that spearheads that? I would imagine because they handle the firearms portion for the federal um, law enforcement. How does that? Yeah. Please please explain it a little bit to to anybody listening to this so they get a better understanding. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. So NIBIN basically is the database, uh, the fingerprints of firearms, right? And what it does is that NIBIN evaluates the ballistic evidence to identify shooters and can connect a gun to multiple crime scenes. So I'll give you an example. So I'm a gun owner. I go to Best Buy or I go to Walmart and I know that I, I for whatever reason, I decide that I'm going to leave that gun in the car. That gun during the time that I'm at the store gets stolen. I, being the suspect now, take that gun and say I go do a shooting on the east side and then the west side and the south side of our city. Because Nibin has a machine that can actually take the spent casing, so uh, say we do three drive-bys 
And from those three drive-bys, officers go out and collect spent casings. They will then take those spent casings uh, and put them under a, a literally a 3D image ballistic evidence machine that identifies the etching on that spent casings um, that's used from the crime scene and starts putting into the database. Now, keeping with that same story or that same example, that suspect is now, uh, an officer does a uh, traffic stop, finds the gun, collects the gun and arrests the guy. And we now are able to identify that he is the guy uh, that was possession of the gun. We can then go back, take some spent casings from the gun and put it into the Nibin database which then could potentially link uh, all three crime scenes to the same suspect. Now, of course, we're going to need more cooperating evidence than that, but in a nutshell, that's what it does. And it gives us that opportunity when before it wasn't there. Before we would just collect the gun, charge the guy with the gun, the suspect. Now we can actually go look back, put it into the database, and then we can see, ah, this gun was used in the shooting on the east side, west side, and the south side of Wichita. I'm getting flashbacks from watching CSI. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in my mind. I see, I see, the, uh, I see the, all the 3D effects of like the, the it's scanning the casing. Um, it's interesting to me that they're able to pull such, uh, I mean, it's not in, like, obviously it makes sense because technology has advanced so far, but people used to think like all, you used to be able to track ballistics, right? Which would be the striations created through the barrel of the firearm on the projectile. But now you're able to, mm -hmm. based off of, I'm assuming, a bunch of different factors and touch points inside the chamber of the firearm, including the firing pin, you guys are able to take those unique markings left by that firearm on the casings and match them that way. And I'm assuming casings are a lot more prevalent when you're investigating shootings than actually finding the projectiles themselves. Is that right? That's correct. Casings, most of the time, is what are left at the... Uh at the crime scene uh and and it's visible and more and more uh actionable to be able to be picked up and and placed into this for imaging and stuff so yes casings um most of the time we're able to find those at our crime scene and, and i'll tell you of a case where at least locally the the gun was stolen from wichita ends up in topeka ends up in missouri and then goes back to Wichita. So we are able to track it multi-state, multi-city. Uh, you know, Niven has um, 175 sites that are, again, what is considered a Niven hub, meaning they have the Niven machine uh, and local law enforcement can go to uh, and become a hub uh, to be able to enter these spent casings and uh, add to the database. So it's been able to identify at least year to date, as far as I can give you the statistics from years back, but um, there was, as far as statistics in regards to specifically Nibin, it gave 50, over 53,000 leads uh, and over 100,000 casings that were entered from uh, crime scenes nationwide. Uh, so again, it, it's had a lot of impact. What's different from our city is that we took it a step further and we actually wanted to create a, a program to encourage gun owners because we figured out you know what instead of being reactive let's try to be a little proactive be proactive with our community and say and give them the opportunity to save those two spent casings just in case just in case uh, and we hope that this never happens to gun owners but reality is is that it is happening uh, already for the year of january we're about 24 guns that um i believe were stolen that we are 50 percent decrease from the year before. So that's huge. That speaks to the success of this program uh, and the power of social media. But 
at the same time, uh, it's one of those things that I think it gave uh, some sort of participation that the public can do with us and being proactive, not reactive. And that's something that law enforcement, as law enforcement officers and law enforcement agency, we're always looking for. While we're on the topic, let's get into your outreach. Um, let's get into how you developed your, your social media outreach program to reach as many people as you did and, and make it as effective as it is. So what was the first steps in developing that plan? And then where did you find the, the greatest amount of success? So I'll tell you what, um, once we received the grant, <clears throat> excuse me, once we received the grant, um, under the leadership of Deputy Chief Salcedo and Captain Clay Germany, who's here with, with us, they had the vision of creating this program. Now, we needed to create a logo, we needed to give it a name, we needed to simplify the message and the marketing so that it can be easily understood to the, to the community so that the minute you saw the logo, you, the minute you read the message, you knew what it was about, or at least had an idea of what this program was, and also kept it interesting enough for the people to have a, uh, an interest in it. Um, so we planned for several months. I think we took a, at least six months to develop uh, a marketing campaign and develop, uh, you know, bringing all of our experts and our partners uh, to the table. Now, what is unique to our city is that the local university has a film um, production type program that is offered. Uh, so they have a film school and we reached out to them to partner with us. So we actually reached out to our local university to help us with this as well as our own in-house uh, PIL team. Uh, what also was unique about this program is that we worked with uh, a graphics designer, marketing person, a video production uh, company, and it really, we brought in everybody to the table and started the brainstorm process. Uh, we realized that what we're asking pe people to do is save a casing. That's simply what we're asking. So that's why we decided to say, give it that name. We also wanted to keep our Wichita Police Department logo um, and also wanted to have a representation visually uh, to help understand what we're talking about. So that's why when you look at our logo, you have Operation Save a Casing, big, bold letters. We wanted to keep kind of that operation type um, task force type uh, look and feel to it. And that's why we have the spent casings. So if you look at the casings, there's no bullets in them because they're spent. We're wanting the spent casings, not the, the actual uh, casing with the bullet inside. So that was all planned. Uh, we, we gave several versions of the logo. Uh, we, we asked uh, several focus groups for feedback, community members. Uh, and given that we have good partnerships with the community members, we were able to get feedback <clears throat> uh, the other thing is the process of how we were going to roll this media campaign out. Uh, we knew that <clears throat> we, when we start, we there was going to be some sort of wave with it. And once we started, we couldn't stop. We had to maintain a continuous message and constantly remind the community. So we were going to use our platform for so our city, for our market. Um, Facebook is really strong, as well as Twitter. So those were going to be our main um, uh, social media sites that we were going to use, even though we are also on Instagram uh, and so forth. But we knew that that was going to be the one of the main uh, social media platforms that we were going to want to use to, to roll out. Now, we have our news conference, and we also Facebook Live our news conference. Uh, and typically, when we have our news conference, all of our local media partners show up. So we implemented the marketing campaign. 
we earmarked um, some spending dollars for social media uh, ads as well as uh, billboard ads. Uh, and we also had a budget for printing out um, the flyer. So we created a flyer and also within that flyer, we decided to give people an envelope, um, mainly for a visual, but also for use. So if you look at our flyer, uh, that I think I, I believe I emailed to you, we are providing the community with a flyer that has all the information about what uh, Operation Save Vacation is, how it works, um, how people can get involved. Uh, it, it answers every question possible, and it also provides you with the little envelope. On the envelope, it has the logo, and it has what is the firearm serial number, the make, and the model, and it already has pre-printed envelopes on these flyers. That way, when we go to the gun shows, when we're out in the community, when they stop by the police station, they can pick one of these flyers up. It has all the information. It already has the envelope for you to have your spent casings uh, to be able to place in there and save separate from where you store your firearms. Now, we know that most gunners, at least in the U.S., have probably more than one gun. So the envelope is more for a visual, but people can use any other kind of packaging. Um, so once we had all of this laid out, we have the landing page, uh, which is on our website, wichitapolice.com. And you'll see in our scroll, there's an option for Operation Save Vacation. It has the same information. It'll have links, and it also have an opportunity to do a survey. So parallel to this program, we have the local university as well, Wichita State University, that's doing the survey um, to track the success of this program. So we actually have a research partner that was also required as part of this grant, again, because it's all new, uh, to also figure out and uh, track the opinions of the community, how it's perceived, uh, what the opinions are or the response of the community has been. Um, so there was a lot of components, and I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot of information at, at you a lot right now, but. I want to give you at least that background information of everything that's involved. So again, to review, we have the research partners from Wichita State. We have the production company from Wichita State. We had our own in-house uh, experts for social media, our PIO unit. And we also had all the law enforcement officers as well as the uh, our federal partners, which include the ATF and everyone else. We knew that we were going to have to create a video that was going to depict what the problem is what solutions we have, and what Operation Save Casing is. And one thing that I will tell you, there's two parallel campaigns going on with Operation Save Casing. The first one is the safety component. So encouraging the community to be proactive in making sure that they can be, uh, to make sure that those firearms are being locked uh, safely in, in either through a case or through a, some sort of locking mechanism in the vehicle, as well as the storage of those firearms at home. So that's one uh, social media component or campaign that we're launching parallel with asking people to save two spent casings um, for the program. So we had our media briefing. Once we had everything in place, we had our video ready to go. We had the flyers ready to go. We had the billboard um, drafts ready to go. Everything was in place, we launched it. And we asked everybody to be there. So we had the local D, uh, district attorney's office. We had our federal partners, which included the ATF. We had the U.S. attorney's office. We had uh, the sheriff's department. We had the Wichita Police Department and other local agencies and uh, community leaders that were at the news conference because it was key to have every single, those, every single one of those trusted voices not only from the law enforcement side, but also from the community side to support this. Uh, and again, it came at a critical time where we had two major incidents that had a tremendous impact in our community. 
uh, and especially our law enforcement community. So I think everybody was definitely going to be listening to what this program was. Uh, when we launched it, we had a couple teasers that went out on social media just before, letting people know that we had a big announcement. And when we launched it, uh, it really created a big wave. And we continue to ride that wave uh, by using Twitter and Facebook to continuously remind folks to be uh, to make sure that those guns are being stored properly. Uh, we give statistics updates, we give information, we give, sometimes we even use humor um, when we use uh, the Twitter account to be able to identify what, what has been happened. So I'll give you an example. On Twitter, one of our lieutenants, which is uh, under Captain Clay Germany, he updates the community on what has been stolen in the last two weeks because it covers larceny and burglary. So he'll go on Twitter and he'll identify and let everybody know, hey, today or in the last two weeks, we've had this number of cars stolen. We had this number of guns stolen. We've had purses taken, cell phones, and 14 straws. Now, does it matter? No, but it's humor and it really gets people talking about it. Um, and again, part of social media, and I think with law enforcement, is you have to be creative. You have to find ways that are going to resonate with your community and uh, find ways that uh, people are going to want to interact and engage. So that's basically how we launched this, uh, and I can get deeper into where we're at now with the campaign. That's awesome. One of the things that I'm going to make sure we do is the the promo video that you guys have put together, which is extremely well done by the by the University of Wichita there, um, and their team, and then the flyer that you spoke to. We're gonna I'll make sure that those are available on the show notes page for this episode, so that people, if you're interested, if you're listening to this and you're like, I wonder what this looks like, you're able to just go right onto the show notes page and and see that. Or you can, again, go to uh, the Wichita Police website, and they have everything on there as well. So that's awesome resources for people. One of the things in my mind that I'm, I'm just, when you're going through there and you're explaining the, just the breadth of this operation and, and the processes involved, um, I, I want to I kind of set the groundwork for this for other agencies or other people that are considering, like, hey, this would be something we may want to do. Um, Clay, when, when we talk about like flash to bang on this from inception of the idea, what was the timeline from when you first had the idea to when it was actually released to the public? Well, I would say, uh, from when we brainstormed about it, you know, it, it kind of came, as you say, flicking the light on because we were having such problems, uh, with an uptick of, uh, stolen weapons out of vehicles and stuff uh, that uh, and then that we were starting to uh, uh, get into the uh, production of getting an Ivan machine here uh, from start to finish it was probably right around about 16 months probably yeah right around about 16 months from the time we uh, thought about it and we start working on it to when we launched our first uh, media campaign campaign on it. So it was right around about 16 months uh, of, of, of really uh, pushing on it, you know, because uh, there were quite a few people involved in it uh, and that came to the table and was interested and, and wanted to help. So uh, it, it kind of started to move towards the end. It really started to roll real good. It's interesting. The other two things that really stood out were one is that as you had mentioned, this isn't something that an agency can do in-house. There was so many outside 
um, people and, and companies and things that helped you throughout this process that it's almost impossible to put something of this magnitude out at the scale that you did by doing it in-house. And the other one is that, like you said, continually driving the engagement on all those platforms. And you used, you know, instead of just saying like, this is the only one thing that we're doing and we're just going to push it out all the time. You, you opened up the floodgates, you could say, and, and put out multiple pieces of content on multiple different things to keep driving that community engagement. Cause as we know, you can't, you know, people get bored, right? They'll get bored of the same thing coming out over and over and over again. And it sounds like you were really proactive in your planning of your marketing campaign to say, listen, we don't want people to, to stagnate and just be like, oh, it's the same stuff over and over again. I don't care anymore to, oh, what's coming out this week? Oh, what's coming out this week? Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's interesting. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how you actually put the plan together beforehand before anything rolled out. And that was really, really smart. And that's probably why you guys have such great success. You know, we really have. Um, and I think part of it is also we have, we have a lot of creative staff. Um, the, the, the thing about law enforcement, if we can just speak to that quickly, is that law enforcement, you know, it's, it's, it's about getting the bad guys. It's about bringing justice. It's about doing the arrest. But it's also about being creative and thinking outside of the box. Uh, and that's one thing that I think our department has been very different from this type of uh, program and campaign. Because along with... Um, Operation Save a Casing, we, we wanted to find ways to stay relevant, right? And the way you stay relevant in social media, as you know, is you got to stay with the trends. So uh, we started talking about ways that we can um, make it interactive, make it attractive to, for, so that when the community watches it, it stays with them. So I'll give you an example. One of the recent tweets that we had in the video was just strictly on uh, leaving your guns in the car. And we asked ourselves when we had our brainstorm session, well, what would you not leave in the car uh, and why would you leave a gun? So we kind of had a brainstorm meeting. And from that, we determined that the community would never leave a Philly cheesesteak sandwich with onions and peppers inside of a car, but somehow forget to leave their guns uh, after they get home or when they're at the store or when they're at places where they probably should be carrying the gun or have it secure, uh, secured in their vehicle. So that was one of the ideas. So we ended up doing a video. So we have one of our lieutenants um, that's holding a Philly cheesesteak sandwich and he's kind of flopping the sandwich around and, uh, and it's, it's humorous, but yet he's being serious. Um, so I think the, the fact that he was being serious, but you can't, you know, not see this giant subway sandwich that he's holding uh, in his hand. And uh, really it speaks to, to the fact that you know we're we're trying to find ways that it's going to impact and uh, resonate with the community and also have a lasting memory, uh, because you're right, we could always just continuously say, hey, please save to spent casings, hey, please don't do this, but you got to find ways to change that. Uh, you got to constantly keep it fresh. You got to constantly keep it attractive for the community, and we've tried to do that over and over now. With our videos, we are working on a second video, which is going to have a story of what happens when that gun. So I think a lot of times out of sight, out of mind happens with uh, a lot of these uh, situations. People don't see that a gun's been stolen until they hear about it in the news. Oh, somebody was shot or there was a shooting. Oh, this was happened. There's some sort of violent crimes. But nobody thinks about that process of how we got there or how that criminal ended up with that gun if he's not allowed to have one. Uh, and so one of those things that one of the next steps for us is uh, creating a video to be able to depict that story. Taking a step back in regards to the marketing campaign specifically, one thing that we did use was data. 
So we based our marketing based on the data that we were seeing, and the data, I mean, what I mean by that is the hotspots. So we went to our data analyst and we said, okay, where are the number, where are the number one areas right now where guns are being stolen? Is it from cars? Is it from homes? What are those geographic areas? When we were provided with that information, we went back, talked to our marketing agency that we use, uh, and we said, okay, we want to strategically place a geofence uh, with our ads into these areas that have been affected, given that we know that uh, those are the areas. So it was a big, it, it, it's a very specific areas within the city that we were able to identify based on hotspots of when it was happening. And it was also uh, something that was evolving. So say in one, in one month, we, there's gonna be certain hotspots, but next month there's gonna be another. So we strategically placed the billboards and the social media ads with, around those areas as well as the areas of where all the gun ranges were and all the major gun stores were because that's where the gun owners were going to go and that's where people were going to go to buy guns and those are the people that we need to give this message to. So even that when, uh, when in regards to placing our ads and where we were going to place our ads was very strategic. It's awesome to see that agencies out there are using the, the power of the social media marketing tools that are out there in order to deliver messages. And like you were saying, the, the geofencing or the targeting on social media, uh, a lot of people don't realize you can be so very specific with your targeting um, that people are wondering why they get these ads that are on there. You know, people always say like, Oh, why am I getting this ad for this? I just talked about this last week is like, is, you know, is, is Alexa listening to me? Is Google listening to me? Um, and it's funny because you, I mean, we don't know, maybe they are, I don't know. Um, we have to get the NSA guys in here to let us know if that's actually happening. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but the reality of it is, is that for example, if I'm putting something out for, um, like I wanted to let people know about our podcast, we're doing this gear giveaway for law enforcement, military and first responders. And when I go and I put those ads out, I can literally go into Facebook and say, I only want these showing on Instagram stories and I only want them going to people that are between the ages of this like 25 and 55 and that have jobs in law enforcement corrections military emergency response and have been on their phone in the last 24 hours and have purchased online in the last 20 days and have said and you can get so fine-tuned with the with the details and people are wondering why these ads keep getting targeted to them it's because marketers know how to find you and how to target you to things that they know you're going to buy. And it's amazing that you can use that now for community outreach and say, listen, these are the areas we know that are the most hardest hit with this, uh, with these incidents right now. So we're going to take all of our, our efforts and focus it right, right there, right where we need to and doing it in social media, not just mailing out flyers and putting up billboards. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, and the other thing is that the billboards itself, they have Operation Save a Casing. By now, most of the community members, I think, have been have heard or have been known or have seen some sort of message from Operation Save a Casing. So the billboards was more specifically to the uh, how a gun makes our message was simple is uh, 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 your vehicle or a car makes a bad uh, gun safe. And it just speaks to what it is um, and the problem that we're having. Um, so again, I want to I want to also just you know, reiterate, at least year to date, we've seen almost a 50% increase, uh, decrease, I should say, uh, in regards to the number of guns that are being stolen. So it's having a huge impact. And we're continuously giving those messages out through Facebook, through Twitter, 
uh, and we're constantly changing the message, but it's still the same. So the, the foundation of what this is about and what we're always talking about is Operation Save a Casing. Uh, we also go to the gun shows. So we set up a booth, we have a banners, we have flyers, and we go directly uh, to the community where they are and we tell them. And a lot of people think, uh, oh, hey, what's going on? Are you asking people to just give your casing? We're like, no, we're asking you to store it. And it's been interesting because we've been to multiple gun shows here in the city. And every time that we go back, we even have a, a lot of updates from community members that tell us, hey, my gun uh, was stolen and it actually got recovered because of casing or, hey, uh, you know, I, I started saving a lot of my spent casings. I'm almost done. I've almost completed my uh, that task. And so they're taking it very serious and they've actually been very receptive to it. So I say about 90 percent of the community members that we talk to and we explain what this is about and we take the time to explain, they're very receptive and they support it. Um, and I, and you get a rumor with a lot of these gun shows, you have several people, it could be anywhere from a thousand to a couple thousand that attend these uh, gun shows. I want to take this a little bit off to the side for a second and talk about the potential negatives, if there are any, from this type of program. I know in speaking with other people that are involved in social media, whether they be agencies or officers, sometimes there can be some backlash or, um, you know, some, sometimes there's, there's members of different agencies that are like, why are we involved in social media? That's not our job. You know, we should focus on, you know, <laughs> we should focus on making arrests and do these types of things. Has there been any backlash or have you heard anything negative either from people in your department or from agencies that are, that are close to where you guys operate? You know, I haven't received any negative. I think if anything, what happens a lot of times is that people may not take the time to look at the information and dismiss the program just because they think that we're asking them to turn into casings up. <clears throat> so for a while, people were like, I'm not going to give you my casings. And, and I respond to them. I hope you never do. And they kind, of, they kind of take a pause and they're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden I can re-engage them. So that's actually happened quite a bit when we're out in the community and have our booth set up. Um, a lot of community members just go up and they're like, I'm not going to give you jack. And I'm like, I hope you never do because I hope that you can store your gun the way you're supposed to and you, you and I never have to meet. Uh, and this would be the only conversation we're having. And so that re-engages them. So I think as far as a negative, the only thing I've seen is sometimes people dismiss the program without really learning what it's about. And they think that we're asking and we're just out to collect these cases. And we're really not. We're just simply wanting them to uh, store them and turn them in later. Internally, I think you know, with a lot of police departments, uh, I think they, there's probably some cultural change there that happens. Luckily for us, at least the Wichita Police Department, uh, everybody that has been, it's been ever growing to where from this campaign and others that we've launched with other projects, they're starting to see the value. So if anything, what has happened is that we're starting to set a trend uh, to where now investigative um, groups that are within our police department, say domestic violence section, they're wanting to launch their own campaign uh, specifically to the strangulation type cases because it's now a felony here in, uh, in, Kansas, in Kansas. So they want to create a campaign uh, and specifically go towards education of victims of domestic violence. So if anything, what's happened is that they realized, oh, wow, this, this is the way that people are now talking to each other. This is now the, the new community policing way of engaging with the community. 
And if you want to be, be relevant and have an impact in your community, you're going to have to just continue to use and evolve with these social media. It's just the way people are communicating now. Uh, 20 years from now, I don't know where it's going to be, but I can assure you that social media somehow is still going to be uh, playing a role. Uh, and also keeping up to date with all the new apps because as a lot of people are saying, well, social media is now hitting a very specific group. It's now Instagram. It's now Snapchat. So you have to stay relevant even with that information. Uh, but I think for us, what we've seen is just other agencies or other um, groups. So domestic violence section, homicide section, uh, robbery section. They're now using social media more and more. So if anything, we're getting more and more busy as well as the officers from the field saying, hey, I want to do a video to engage the community and help with recruitment. Well, uh, one of the ideas was could be something humorous as how to eat a powdered sugar donut, the tactical and officer safety approach to eating a powdered donut. So again, it's real hilarious, it's simple, but it gets to the generation of the community members that have grown up with social media and that's the language that they speak. So we have to stay relevant continuously. And, and, and on that fact, uh, we also uh, noticed that uh, for us to be able to get the information out, just utilizing our PIOs, uh, we did an internal video about saber casing. We were able to get the information out where they showed it at all the squads so that we could get information out to all our patrol officers and stuff so that they could have uh, the necessary information when they're asked questions and stuff. And that way you're not having to send one person out you know, to several different uh, uh, patrol stations just to send the information out. We were able to get this information out and be able to get the feedback of uh, information back to us through email or, or uh, information through uh, messaging and stuff so that we can answer questions and stuff. So uh, it's changing. Uh, been doing this now for over 26 years. Uh, so seeing where we were 26 years ago to where we are now, uh, a definite change, but, but for the better. Has there been other agencies? Um, well, let's, let's take it this way. If there, if there was an agency out there that's listening to this and they're like, you know what, there's, there's a lot of super useful information here and, and we want to get, you know, more information or how can we do this ourselves? What are some, what are some starting points, I guess, that you would give um, to either officers or agencies that are considering starting to use more proactive approaches to, to dealing with things like, like gun crime and things like that? I think, you know, you need to educate yourself, which is why Smile Conference is so critical and so relevant into what law enforcement is today. And part of the reason why we've gone every year uh, is because they, they, sometimes you don't have the experts, sometimes you don't have the resources, or you don't even know how to take that first step. So a lot of the information that we've gathered have been going to these conferences and taking these ideas uh, and information. So we we figured out, hey, there's a local university. Every state city has a university or at least somewhat relative in regards to distance. And tap into those resources. Sometimes you don't have to carry the whole load. Now, we are... Um, Fortunate that at least for our PIO unit, the public information unit, we have two, uh, one previous journalist. Um, so he actually used to work for the local media and then became an officer, as well as myself. So I did seven years of journalism, uh, as well as the Spanish media, and then became an officer. And uh, years into our career, we then joined the public information unit. And that uh, has been very helpful in regards to video production, video editing, and script writing and copy. 
uh, as well as just knowing how to predict where media is going to go with the story, even when it's not always the greatest news. Um, and so, but a lot of the tools, as far as like when you're in a crisis, when you're trying to develop a program, how do you do those? Well, you got to, you got to make sure that you have your partners, that you have your command staff that's also on board. Uh, and you also have to make sure you have the proper training. So a lot of times what we see with uh, other agencies that I've seen is that they want to kickstart a program. They want to kickstart their social media, but they don't have the training. They don't have the right persons. They don't have uh, the, the persons that are going to at least uh, be able to go to a conference like Smile, be able to go to another agency and learn from them. Uh, so I, I always recommend getting the training and also tapping into any local resources that you might have, like your local universities. Uh, but make sure more than anything that you're also willing to spend uh, and earmark some dollars and put some budget behind it uh, because it's going to cost you. But at the end, it's going to be very beneficial to law enforcement. Yeah. Does that, did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm easy. I ask questions, you answer questions, yeah. and we just move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that, I mean, there's, we've, we've kind of unwrapped so much information here today. Uh, if there's somebody listening to this and they want to kind of get a more in-depth view or, or in-depth knowledge as to, um, how you guys got funding put together, how you put the programs together, the people that you had involved and, and everything that we've talked about today, where can they go? Who can they contact to get that information? Uh, I tell you what, it's going to be real easy. You can you can go to wichitapolice.com, go to the about us section, and you'll find my uh, my picture along with my contact information, Officer Paul Cruz. You can email me, and I'll make sure to reach out and get you in contact with whoever you need, whether it's a command staff, colonel, chief, um, anybody you need that and give you and help you with the step process. Now. You know, obviously there was a lot of people that were involved. There was the grant writers, there was the uh, university uh, partnership that we had. So we had partners from the university from three components, uh, criminal justice, the research, and the video film school. So there were three areas from the university that were very instrumental. Um, internally, we were able to take care of the marketing campaign, the uh, graphics, and uh, basically giving the uh, governance of what the message was going to be in it and making sure that we were really going to be able to roll out a clear message. Um, so there was multiple hands, multiple people that were involved, but they can reach out to me. You can reach out to me uh, on my email, phone number, um, all of that information is available. We're also on Facebook and Twitter uh, as well as myself. So if you, tw if you look for at Twitter, you'll be able to find me. But all that information is readily available and, and uh, probably one of the most successful agencies you can find. So you'll be able to get a hold of us easily. That's awesome. Before we kick you guys loose, I know you guys have a very busy day ahead of you. Is there any lasting things or is there any one last thing that you want to share with uh, any of the officers or trainers or uh, senior level members that are listening to this and, and some information that you want to share with them? Probably the only thing that I would like to show to everyone is to, uh, especially from a command standpoint, is that we have to uh, be open-minded on how we approach things. Uh, as we say, think outside the box because uh, it's going to be the new things that are that, that are going to work. They're going to keep everyone interested. Uh, so as, as command staff, uh, we have to be able to uh, have a good 
listening ear and also be able to support our uh, men and women that are out here doing the job and hopefully uh, be able to correct some of the uh, some of the negatives that are going out so that we can continue to push positive things out in the community. Continue to build that uh, relationship within your community uh, to keep it positive uh, so that they can also see that you're trying to do things uh, to make sure that we're serving them the right way. The only thing I'll add to that is with social media, it's such a powerful tool. Now, it is a double-edged sword. I won't, I won't deny that. Um, and I know that for uh, some, 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 some agency out there may have a difficult time um, just trying to get started or trying to move forward with it. But you got, we always look at it, the community just like any other relationship. You have to constantly, con continuously have those positive deposits. So it's like a bank account, right? And everybody's used this analogy before, and I'm sure you've heard of it. If you're in a relationship, you've got to have as many positive deposits into that account because you're eventually going to have that one negative. And that negative is going to reduce and take out a lot of credits from your account. And the only way to survive those negative, meaning crisis or negative stories, is if you continuously put out the positive. So it has to have that balance. And I think we've learned and found that um, social media is really the tool for us. As far as crime prevention, uh, problem, as well as um, preventing and solving crimes and really being able to engage the community now, we also engage the community in other languages. So we also have our social media and a lot of what we've talked about is also offered in Spanish. Um, so we make all efforts to reach out to our Spanish because we have a large Spanish speaking community here in Wichita. So we make all efforts to be able to duplicate what we're messaging in English as well as in Spanish. And we make an effort to reach out to the Spanish media partners, whether it's radio and TV, uh, and make sure that we're inclusive of all communities. <coughs> That's awesome. Those are great points. And, uh, and I want to say thank you to both of you gentlemen for joining me on the show and sharing about your program. I know there's people listening to this that are going to be Googling it and, and going on the show notes page and wanting to get more information from you. So uh, keep your phones handy. Um, and, uh, and Paul, man, I'm excited to, uh, to meet up with you here in June. Um, so uh, first drinks on me, my man. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. <laughs> uh, thank you again, boys, for, uh, for taking the time. Yeah, you bet. And just in case anybody's warning, wondering, we were awarded um, $493,594 in regards to the grant. And this covered uh, the Nibin, Nibin Tech, Nibin Machine, Operation Save Casing, as well as the gun uh, gunshot detection sensors uh, that we launched that are unique uh, to any anyone else in the market. So it was all forward thinking, uh, new stuff happening here in our city, and we're using technology to the fullest. So just that little last piece of information. Awesome. Right on, boys. Well, thank you so much again, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Tactical Breakdown Podcast. To learn more about Operation Save the Casing, make sure to check out the show notes. There's links to the website there, or you can always visit the show notes page at thebreakdown.ca. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're going to have a lot of episodes coming out very, very shortly. Make sure you don't miss those. And also, don't forget to check out the Instructor's Roundtable taking place the last Thursday of every month at 6 p.m. Central Time. We just finished the last IRT on firearms training, and the one coming up here in April 
is going to be on active threat response. So make sure to join us for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel or just go to thebreakdown.ca forward slash IRT for more information. All right, that ends it for me here today. Make sure to join us next time on the podcast. But until then, stay safe. 